Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the beginning of this hour, we're going to get to something that we need to recognize because of how important and how much of a just a big part of history that today represents. Right, guys? Right. Today is the 78th anniversary of D-Day. It is June 6th. Yes. A day that will live in infamy. What's your... um, Is it Band of Brothers? Is that... Or what's the other... Saving Saving Private Private Ryan. Ryan. Is that the big D-Day? I think that, yeah, the first 25 minutes or so of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Are incredible and um, having been to Normandy, and I think I can't remember if we were at uh, uh, what what exact beach it was at. But Casey and I were in Paris, and we did a day trip to Normandy. It's very amazing to do that trip and to see the American Cemetery in Normandy with it's about ninety three hundred graves. Everybody has like a carved marble cross, and on this sort of. Bluff it all. There's nothing that's ever been developed on those beaches. I want to do that sometime. How far did you say it is from Paris? Oh, maybe maybe an hour and a half. Wow, from Paris. So, huh. yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And you know, they haven't had any D Day celebrations for the last two years. And you know, think about. Um, I mean, Queen Elizabeth, who served in World War II as an army driver, a mechanic, is celebrating her 70 years on the throne. And this is the 78th anniversary of D-Day. And um, all of the, there were British and U.S. uh, veterans that were there. But these guys are all, you know, 98, 97. They're, how many more years will, you know, they be able to go to this? But it's so moving. And, um... Uh, thank you for uh, posting uh, the story on that. But they, they returned. And, you know, it was 160,000 troops that day that landed mm-hmm. Yeah, on June 6th. So we've got, is this audio from? So this is from the audio that I posted. So there's about a four-minute story that Today Show did that really encompasses the whole thing. I dropped it down to just under two minutes okay. and gets the meat of it all. But okay. you'll, you'll really get the, the experience that they had there at, at okay. this uh, reunion. Flying along the French coast, American veterans. That's amazing. Really amazing. Some who have not been back here since it looked and sounded like this. D-Day, 78 years ago, today. This is Robert St. John in the NBC newsroom in New York. This is a momentous hour in world history. This is the invasion of Hitler's Europe. Today, a hero's welcome for the greatest generation. We have Walter Stowe, U.S. Navy! 
Walter Stone, like so many at the time, doctored his birth certificate to join the military when he was 15 years old. How do you feel to be here, sir? Uh, humbled and astonished and grateful. Hitler's Nazi Germany had occupied France for four years. The massive D-Day invasion liberated France and eventually Europe. But the cost was steep. On this beach alone, codenamed Omaha, in just 24 hours, 3,000 casualties. Along the 50-mile coast, D-Day cost the U.S. and our allies more than 4,400 lives. Almost twice the number of Americans who died in Afghanistan over a span of 20 years. What's it feel like putting your shoes back on this sand? <laughs> it's eerie. It's eerie to be here? It is. It, it is very eerie to be here. Jake Larson waded to shore in water up to his chin. I said, God, what am I doing here? What the hell? I can't see anybody to shoot at, but I ran. <laughs> I weighed 120 pounds at, at five foot seven. And I said, thank God the Germans aren't good at shooting toothpicks. <laughs> I feel their presence right now. Aww. Their souls are right here witnessing this. The message is protect our freedom. Honor these heroes that have given their life at a young age. Honor these people. Don't honor me. Give the message. Oh, that guy was so cute. He's awesome. like 95 years oh, old. Oh, he was adorable. Um, and he actually, I took this out, but he is on TikTok. Yes, is this the word? This is the, this is, this is the guy. He's on TikTok and he keeps all of his memories alive and tells his stories. Mm -hmm. And he's got this massive following on TikTok that has helped his story and all of the history behind what yeah. he knows alive. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, if you do, you know, go to you know France and you have the opportunity, if you've always wanted to go to the beaches at Normandy, and they are, they were like, uh, the code names were Omaha, Juno, uh, sword, gold, and like Canada had one beach that they stormed, you know, Britain and then the U.S. And if you get a chance to go to the World War II Museum in New Orleans, they have a really great um, Normandy and the D-Day and just like how devastating that day was, which, of course, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, we saw it viscerally yeah. and filmed there. You know, on those same oh, big, broad beaches. Really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. yeah. Yeah. And those <laughs> the little French villages are, they all fly an American yeah. and a French flag. And when you walk through the cemetery, you will be, you're like oh, yeah. 18, 19, I mean, everybody. Oh. Young, they were, young, they were young. mentioning that the locals there 100% are fully aware of, of everything that America oh, did. Because, and, I, you forget that France had been occupied for four years. Yeah. Yeah. And how much they want, you know, wanted the Germans out of there. And I think, too, there's some special poignancy to the celebration there today because, you know, Europe has a war again, you know, with Russia uh -huh. invading Ukraine. And, oh, yeah. you know, that's there it is again, you know. So anyway, um, it's just, yeah, there's not going to be. There'll be less and less, you know, veterans yeah. able to go. They were saying that this might even be, be one the of the last times because they're sold. And to think like that one guy was 15 when he went. Yeah. They were doctoring their birth certificates to go at the age of 15. Now, mm -hmm. crazy to think at Vietnam to be drafted at 18 yeah. as a kid. These guys at 15, 15. are on the beaches of Normandy. Yeah.
15 years old. Right. I couldn't even drive a car. Right. I <laughs> yeah. know it. I was I, watching Brady Bunch reruns. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, so, oh, man. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, uh, that, that some of these guys were able to go and, you know, that they were able to, you know, just be together again after two years of, you know, having... Yeah, it sounds no like they were too. Yeah, I know it. It really does. So, anyway, that's uh, posted. If you want to take a look at it, when we come back, what random stuff does Chris Hewitt know about movies? Well, we're going to find out. Heck yeah! <laughs> All right, Chris. Now you know from listening to our program that random thoughts is a loosely constructed area of I do conversation. I do. <laughs> okay, so um, it's the random and random. Yeah. <laughs> What is the, is there a Hollywood random thing that you know that never fails to impress people? Oh. Is there anything that you can kind of, uh, you're like, oh, or, or a random person that you've interviewed that you're like, oh, yeah, well, I've talked to blah, blah, blah. I mean, people are, or at least up until recently, people were usually pretty interested that I interviewed Harrison Ford, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Tell me more. Well, he was very nice. It was for a terrible movie, unfortunately. It was for that remake of Sabrina. Oh, yeah. And he was not the easiest interview, not because he was unpleasant or anything, but he just didn't, he's not like, at least with me anyway, a storyteller. He doesn't seem like it. He kind of gave one word responses, which are difficult to quote. One of my favorite ones is actually my first one before I had even actually walked into the Pioneer Press. This is when I worked at the Pioneer Press. Mm offices they asked me if i would go to hollywood and do the junket for grumpy old men because that movie was about to come out and it was going to be a big deal so i went to the four seasons interviewed um walter matthau and jack lemon and i'm talking to walter matthau and coincidentally i had read his wife's autobiography her name is carol matthau she was the daughter of william soroy and the um playwright and she knew truman capote and all these people anyway she had a fascinating very dishy autobiography yeah and I said, I said to him, hey, in your book, your wife says you're still the sexiest man she's ever met. Um, or in your book, the book, she said that. Do you think that's still true? And he said, hmm, I don't know. Let's call her. So he picks up the phone in the Four Seasons suite and calls. Oh and first gosh. of all, he gets, I think her name was Lupe. They're made. And Lupe tells him that Carol's in the bathtub. So he says, well, go get her. So I, then he hands the phone to me. And I'm talking to Carol Mathau in her and bathtub her, oh my gosh. about whether or not her husband, Walter Mathau, is the sexiest man alive. And what did so, she say? She said he still is. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a good movie. That was a good movie. Did you so, yeah, talk to was... Anne Margaret too? She wasn't there for some oh, she reason. She wasn't. No, okay. I didn't talk to her. And I don't know I don't know if she was having health issues or what. But yeah, she wasn't there for the weekend of interviews with the four seasons in Beverly Hills. Yeah. So nice that hotel. Oh, it is. And you know, usually I ended up going to a fair number of junkets, but the paper was paying. So I wasn't staying at the Beverly Hills right. Four Seasons. But in that instance, because I didn't yet work the paper, I think the woman who hired me figured, ah, throw him a bone, let him oh stay. So I gosh. actually got to stay at the Four Seasons and order a club sandwich from room service while I was there oh that God. time. That's it so, is a nice place. That's so fancy. How, okay, how about this? Um, do you know any good um, random facts about the movie Jaws? I just think of all the summer blockbusters that are coming out. Our first summer blockbuster is Top Gun. Do you have any um, favorite trivia that you know about Jaws or a random fact? I just read that. This is cool. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Oh, okay. That one of the kids who's in the movie was just actually elected the sheriff of the. Amityville? 
Well, the town that it's it was not filmed actually in. called that. But oh, yeah. okay, or whatever it's called. Yeah, not Amityville. <laughs> I'm getting my movies mixed up. I think it's Amity Island or something. Yeah, you're close. Yes. Yeah. So Amity one Island. of Roy Scheider's yeah. Scheider's kids. If you remember the scene where they're out in the water and they're they're the little they're out on their little sailboat. Mikey? Yeah, the Mikey? little yeah, Mikey. The boat goes over. Mm-hmm. He is now the sheriff in the very town that the whole movie was filmed in. So that's pretty fun, right? That is pretty fun. The only thing that I know is. Uh, Roy Scheider, thank you, ad-libbed, we're going to need a bigger boat. Oh. That line is an ad-lib line. And also that, um, I can't remember how I know this, but um, what's his name? Quinn, the actor played Quinn. Robert Shaw? Yes, and Richard Dreyfuss couldn't stand each other. Yeah. And they argued the whole time, which made their kibitzing and arguing Even even better. That's a. I didn't know, because they did not get along. You could tell they didn't get along in the movie, so that that adds the element to it. There you and didn't go. Didn't Robert Shaw die? Shaw die like right after that Jaws came out? No, no. he no, made a couple it, more movies. He did have a couple more movies, but he did die very young. Yeah, and looked great in a turtleneck. Yeah, he really did. He did. It, that was the first movie to earn a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. I mean, that kind of created the summer blockbuster because it was in so many theaters at the same time, which. Movies had done sort of gradual moving across the country roadshow releases. Oh, I didn't know that. And that was one of the first ones that, yeah, sort of they did initiated. the quote unquote wide release. Yeah, which at that point was probably who knows six hundred theaters as opposed to the four thousand that Top Gun is in. But forty seven hundred. Oh my gosh! Can you believe that? That is just crazy. It is okay. How about? Do you have a favorite western? Could you name? Is there one movie that's a favorite western or a couple? I mean, I love High Noon. I might have to say that is my favorite Western. I also love the remake of The 310 to Yuma that came out a few years ago with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. It's not my favorite genre, but I like those two a lot. Yeah. Grant, do you have a favorite Western? Um, I would say <laughs> probably um, Gunsmoke. Oh, man. I'm... What's the one with uh, Kevin Costner? Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. But I'm also thinking of the the classic with Billy the Kid and... And Ke- and um, Kevin Costner's in it. Val Kilmer's in it. Oh, Tombstone. 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 I mean, that's that's kind of a classic one, yeah. you know. But I got to say, mine is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. There you go. Oh. Mostly because Robert Redford is, and Paul Newman are. I mean, just, both of them. Yeah, both of them. In my head, for some reason, I don't even think of that as a western. Oh, you I don't? Guess, I mean, I think maybe because I lump it in with uh, the Sting. I just think of them as their own genre, like yeah. Paul Newman and Robert Redford with their shirt off. Movies. Have you ever interviewed either of those guys? I was supposed no. no. I was supposed to interview Robert Redford when he directed the movie Quiz Show, and you know he's notoriously late for everything, oh, I didn't and know always that. has been for his entire career. You really? basically, yeah. Jane Fonda has talked about that a bunch, and you basically just have to deal with it. But he was uh, like, I waited. Five days, I think, for him to call me at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday when he was supposed to do it and eventually. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts.
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. I just was like, just the up. movie's about to come out. I think we're going to have to bail on this. I would have loved to have talked to him because I bow to no one in my admiration for ordinary people as a movie, which was his first movie as a director. And I would have loved to have asked him about it, but didn't get the chance. I did recently get to ask Elizabeth McGovern about it, though, because I interviewed her for Downton Abbey. Oh, tell me, what did she say about him? She's She was intimidated by him, but she said he was really helpful because she... I think it was her first movie, and I think she actually was a high school student playing a high school student. Um, but he really helped her. She, at the time, lived in L.A., where she was best friends with the movie director Todd Haynes, who would eventually be the movie director Todd Haynes. But they filmed in Evanston, um, in uh, the suburb of Chicago, mm-hmm. and she was originally from there. So he kind of helped her get back in touch with sort of the things that made that place feel like that place, and she said he really helped her feel comfortable on the set. I'm sure Grant has never seen the movie Ordinary People. Nope. It's completely a depressing movie is yeah. what I remember. Uh, it ultimately, I mean, it is sad, but gosh, it's so good. Yeah. And ultimately, Did, it's helpful. Does Judith Guest still live here? And I believe she does. She does. Yeah. She was a, a she lived in Edina and made the, wrote this novel and it becomes oh. a movie that Timothy Hutton was in and Mary Tyler Moore Oscar winner, ser- best yeah. picture. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh some people think it shouldn't have been. It beat uh, Raging Bull, but yeah. I'm going to agree with that. I like ordinary people more than Raging Really? I will defend it to to the death. Okay. All right. All right. How about um, um, as far as like, um, you know, E.T. is turning 40 this year. Is there any random thing that you know about E.T. or that movie? Well, I always am fascinated by the fact, and I guess it's because they're paired in my head as a moviegoer, that it and Poltergeist one of which was directed by Steven Spielberg, the other of which was supposed to have been directed by him, but he produced it, came out like within weeks of each other and wow. were the hugest movies of that year. Yeah. So I always love kind of contrasting the yeah, those friendly two. visitors and the not-so-friendly not visitors. So friendly. All right, so see, Chris, you do know random stuff. You know so much <laughs> random stuff. All right. Thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll end it with a little clip from uh, Grumpy Old and Quick. Here. Okay, let's Big sucker it. John Gustafson. Have you seen him? Man's crazy. Loco. Always hanging out around those kinky strip bars. You know, the ones where the men take their clothes off? That's, of course, if he's taking his medication. Medication? Yes, without it, he could be anywhere, wandering around, talking to the trees. Believe me, this man is a menace. He's always drinking, starting fights. <laughs> we just got to go into Oh, that's it. funny. That's good. That's All right, sure. thanks, Grant. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Monday. Chris Hewitt filling in for Julia. She'll be back tomorrow. On Wednesday, we're going to be at Lush. 
doing a broadcast, right. doing drag queen bingo. It's going to be fun. I was just telling him about that. That's Wednesday, 3 yeah. to 6. You can hang out, get the regular Low J show, yeah. then a little celebrity bingo. I, I kind of feel like it's our Anna, it's like our anniversary show, but yeah, I, I don't know. We've got that some it is. more fun stuff coming up for that, but we can have some fun with the anniversary on that day, too. So. Yeah, all we right. We can do some reminiscing for sure. Chris, we've been on the air for 20 years, and you've been on with us since. Friday's your day. Since right? 2004. Most of the time. Four? That might be right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that's 18 right. years. Wow. Yeah. Hey, speaking of drag queens, I just saw a documentary about BB Zahara Benet. And? Being BB uh, that starts streaming next week. It's pretty good. I wish he, and I think he is the preferred pronoun, mm-hmm. um, were a little bit more forth- forthcoming in the movie. But the, the, the documentary sort of contrasts life here with life in Cameroon, uh, BB's native country, mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to be in the GLBTQ community there. And um, so we maybe don't get enough of him and of her. Okay. Uh, but I still think it's worth seeing. And it's amazing to me to think, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race kind of started right there. Yeah, that's with, true. With her win, yeah. Yeah, that is that is very true. So, okay, we got to talk about books. Because yes. I know you read a lot of books. I do. Um you and Lori Herzl, do you two talk books? All the time. All the time, yeah. She's the book editor at the Star Tribune. And she's the best. She is excellent. And um, what is your last book that you've read that you've loved and you're recommending? It is, I think, I probably have two favorite books okay. this year, but this is one of my two favorite books this year. It's the new novel by Emma Straub. Oh. Have you read her before? Yes. We read her Mallorca. Vacation, uh, the, the, the vacationers, the vacationers. Yeah. yeah, and we had her on for that show. And I oh, think did you? Julia's trying to book her. Emma Straub. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, she's discussed her with me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the new one is called. Uh, let's see. It's what's it called? Uh, tomorrow isn't the title. This time tomorrow. Okay. And it is about this woman. Her she runs a. It's basically the Spencer School in New York. A Tony. Uh, school for rich kids mm-hmm. and her father is in a coma and dying and he had written a book about two teenage time travelers that essentially made him and he never had to write another book because it became popular and be- turned into a movie and she suddenly discovers that she can travel in time and she goes back to when she was a teenager and sort of revisits her relationship with her father he was a single dad and uh, has a chance to maybe manipulate some of the things in her life and is deciding whether or not to do that and would she like a different way to go. It's really funny. It's really sweet. I love it. Okay. And it's called This Time Tomorrow. Emma yes. Strap. Yes. Okay. What else? Um, well, my other favorite book this year actually was given to me by Laura Herzl and it's uh, nonfiction and it's called Also a Poet. Mm-hmm. It's by this woman, Ada Calhoun, who is hilarious. Uh, so funny that I decided I would read everything she ever wrote, and I have, and they're all really good. There's one called Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give that's really good, too. But anyway, this one is about her dad started writing a biography of the poet Frank O'Hara, who is both her dad and her favorite poet, and he had to abandon it because Frank O'Hara's sister essentially made trouble and made it impossible. So she decides she's going to listen to his notes and finish this biography that he was never able to finish. And she listens to him interviewing people. And in the background, she can hear voices. And then suddenly 
she, as like a two-year-old, is intruding on her dad's interviews with Allen Ginsberg or whoever. Yeah. Um, and so she has an increased stake in it and becomes this book more about her and her dad than about mm-hmm. Frank O'Hara. But it's really beautiful and really funny. And her dad is this kind of um, distant and not particularly appreciative of the fact that she and her mom have oriented their lives around him basically and she's trying to get him to understand that of course it never works yeah uh, but oh, it's it, good both i guess our father-daughter stories come to think of it but they're both really 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 good so okay. those are my two favorites this year and do you like to read a memoir like did you read harvey firestein's memoir i did by any i loved it you yeah. did what's that did. called the that is called i was better last night okay which is what he says to people when they come backstage and say oh, oh. you were so good harvey i, I was, was better, better last night i was better last night right 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 um, it it's was delightful. Good. Is it dishy? It is dishy yeah. in a really unique way because it's very kind. Like for the most part, if he didn't like people, you have a sense that he's kind of leaving them out or, mm-hmm. or very briefly saying, you know, blah, blah, blah was difficult or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of read between the lines and, and maybe figure out who he wasn't a big fan. If he talks about a, a, a Broadway performer who he really, really, really did not like, and he doesn't mention her by name. So you have to do a little detective work who to was figure it, out. Do you think? I think it was Faith Prince, okay. uh, who was in that um, Nathan Lane revival mm-hmm. of Guys and Dolls. She was the Miss Adelaide in that, probably about twenty-five years ago, and she was a big star on Broadway. But um, yeah, it's really fun, and I did not know the the big revelation in that book for me was that his career started when he was a high school kid who was with the Andy Warhol set at the factory. Like, he's in all these crazy experimental plays as a 17-year-old because he went to the high school for the performing arts and just kind of wandered down there, and Mm -hmm. they start asking him if he's willing to play, you know, the third vampire from the left in the background of some show with... Joe D'Alessandro and all those other people. And so he kind of gets into this really crazy experimental theater thing before he ever writes Torch Song Trilogy and all the other shows that he ends up writing. Is he, did Harvey have anything to do with The Funny Girl? He, on Broadway? he re- rewrote the book. He did. Yeah. Which people are saying still doesn't really work. I mean, the, the knock on that show always has been great songs, book doesn't work. And I've, this is embarrassing to admit. I've never seen the stage show. I've just seen the well, movie. Well, how could we see the stage show? Where yeah, has it, it never ever gets been done. performed? But I love the movie. Yes. So I'm kind of confused about And, you know, a lot of that has to do with Barbara Streisand giving maybe the best movie performance ever given by anyone ever. Yeah. But um, so I'm kind of confused about all the talk about how bad the, the story is because it doesn't seem that bad. But anyway, yeah, he's the one who rewrote it. He did. Okay. So you're recommending as a memoir, I was better last night. Yes. All right, because, yeah, I do love a good memoir. Like, I've been meaning to read um, Alan Cummings' book. Oh, I have not read that one. Yeah, because I've heard... He is two, right? Yes, he is two, and I thought about reading Rupert Everett. I don't know why I want to read his book. I read that one. Just because of the dishiness. I think he really goes there. I wonder if... I don't think I can say tell you this story on air, but okay. I have a story about Rupert Everett. I'll have to tell you sometime. Oh, shoot. Can you say it in code? Um, let me work on it. Okay, let me work on it. That must really be a good story, Grant. You <laughs> yeah, can't remember yeah. it. Tease and a half there. Yeah. Well, I have, a, I have two books. No, I have four books that I would say. Okay, Excellent. So, I'm getting my pencil ready. Okay, The Lioness by Chris Bogalian, yes. who wrote yes. The Flight Attendant. I just think you'll love it because it's 1964. A Hollywood actress takes an entourage of like 
eight other people on her honeymoon to Tanzania, which is what Tanzania is called at the time. And it's a thriller. And Chris Bohalian is just fantastic. And I hope it gets option for a movie. Does it have a little of that energy of that? What was that book by Jess Walter about that was essentially Elizabeth Taylor? Oh, Beautiful Runes. Yeah. Does it have a little of that energy? Okay. Yes, it has that Hollywood energy. I also am uh, recommending The Barons, which is this Arctic wilderness story about these two women who take this canoe trip. Kurt Johnson wrote it. It's a trip, Chris, that I, you and I would never take, but we would take it on a book. Yeah, how are the hotels there? <laughs> yeah, not happening, but that is a very exciting story. Um, I also am three-fourths of the way through Ruth Ware's new book, The It Girl. Which, if you're a fan of Ruth Ware... I did not like her last one, but I've liked other ones. Yeah, yeah. One by One or whatever it was called. Yeah, you didn't like the one in the ski chalet? No. Oh, okay. I kind of like that one. But the It Girl is kind of a back-and-forth story about a murder that happened and the repercussions that are happening 10 years later. That sounds like mine. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then Summer House by Jennifer... Uh, Weiner, which I think is her best book that she's ever written, and she's written a ton. Yeah, I read that, and I liked it a lot, too. Summer House? Yeah. I thought it was so vivid and just wonderful. Yeah, and funny, but also sweet, which is a combo I like. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, when we come back, we're going to see how good you are at Hollywood speak, um, but I've selected um, Hollywood stories exclusively for you, Chris, so I have no doubt you're going to be able to... Read between the lines. Okay, I'll work. Tell on. us what they're saying. All right, we'll be right back. All right, Chris. Um, this is a quote from a source close to Johnny Depp. Johnny very much hopes that he can revive his acting career. Mm-hmm. Do you think Johnny Depp? Because I mean, his career tanked long before the Amber Heard marriage, divorce, and trial. Yeah, I kind of think that it might be over for him. You do? But maybe Johnny is planning to save some of the settlement if he ever gets any of it to finance a product project or two of his own is the... Is do you the, think Disney would hire him again for Pirate 6? I, I don't think Disney would make Pirate 6, but yeah, I have a feeling they would... You know, who wants a 60-year-old guy as the face of your franchise that you're selling to 11-year-olds. I I suspect they would go younger. You do? Yeah. That's probably a Tom Holland joint or something, not a Johnny Depp one at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. I don't know. Like, his brand feels like it's so sullied. It's kind of hard to imagine that maybe he could go the Mel Gibson route and play, like, <coughs> evil geniuses or something. Maybe, but he <laughs> hasn't had a good movie in so long. No, which which he do you mean, Mel Gibson or Johnny Depp? Johnny, well, both, both, both. Maybe they could relaunch the Lethal Weapon franchise. They are. Lethal, grumpy, old weapons or something. They are bringing back Lethal Weapon. Oh, are they? oh right, is a TV show, right? It, well, no, I think they're doing a movie, and he's a part of it. And I oh remember um, the boyfriend, Sam Asgari, was trying out for a role in it, but I'm pretty sure, and Mel Gibson is a part of the production cast of the new reboot of Lethal Weapon, what would this be, five now? Yeah. Because well, four, three. I mean, the Hollywood speak of that, I'm sure, is yes, Mel. We'd be happy to have you involved as long as your face is nowhere near. Nowhere it. near. Yeah, <laughs> you're as an executive producer, right? Okay, how about this? Uh, Mor- Morbius flopped at the box office again. Do you know what that came out? Okay, here's what happened. <laughs> here's what happened. So apparently, like in the last couple weeks, 
Am I saying that right? Morbius? Morbius. The The one um, with what's-his-face from... Jared Leto. Yeah. And it was released in movie theaters on April 1st, which seems, uh, you know, like the right time to have released it on April Fool's Fool's Day. But um, it took in like $84 on the opening weekend, but it cost $83 million to make, and it just the box office dropped like 90% the following week. And it had been delayed like for years. five or six times. Yeah, and then there was this catchphrase, it's Morbin time. Anyway, became it's from a Mor- meme. It's from Power Rangers. It's a, yes. a play on Power Rangers. It's Morphin time, which was a really cheesy, animated, really horribly done tart t- show for kids back in the day. So I think they were trying to So Sony the wanted in on the joke, or at least they hoped to profit. So they re-released <laughs> Morbus this past weekend. Oh. And they've learned a valuable internet lesson. <laughs> and that is that a meme does not mean something is going to become automatically, you know, a popular or a camp classic or anything like that um because it earned what? 200 and it, it got released it was put back out in like what did it get yeah 289 per theater over the weekend Whoa. yeah they were saying like 8500 total on friday they brought it back into so, over a thousand theaters hello dollars on a friday i know it isn't that something oh, i get paid to do it but i don't ever want to see jared leto in a movie again really ever because After that awful Gucci movie, he was so horrendous. It's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. He was awful in Suicide Squad. I just think he's terrible mm-hmm. and indulgent yeah. and maybe undirectable. Yeah, he does go off on the whole um, method thing to a point that sounds like he annoys his co-stars. Yeah, and he's not good. Hmm. <laughs> He was good in Dallas Buyers. I mean, yes, he was. Yes, he was, and he was good in My So Called Life. Yes, I'll give him those two. Okay, those two. But I don't want to see anything else. Okay, okay. Here's one. Twitter says it will force through the Elon Musk takeover at the agreed price. Hmm. Seems like a sausage fight over there with billionaires and companies and yeah well and also we'll hold our nose because it's so much money even though we know he's gonna wreck everything that i mean even if it's it's already wrecked but he he said that he will not buy it until they disclose how many spam bots they got i saw this again grant Mm -hmm. i don't think he wants to have it anymore and that was the nda violation right Yes. Well, that was the original because he did not disclose that he owned nine percent, which was the high one of the higher shareholders. Yes, that came back in the beginning. But this guy has lost a lot of money lately. He's been coming up with a lot of different. He's fighting with Bill Gates. Back, yeah, putting that out on the old uh, Twitter sphere too, back and forth. It's yes, yeah. there's a cry for help here. I think or something. Something's weird. Something's he's happening. odious. I mean, he's so odious. Jared Leto should play him in a movie. There you go. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, did you watch We Crash, the Anne Hathaway Jared Leto? No, uh, about, I read the book. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I didn't hear any buzz about him. that TV series. I heard she was good in it, uh, which is interesting because based on the book, it would be kind of a thankless role. But um, and you know, Gwyneth, Pal- the real Gwyneth Paltrow, is sort of involved in the real story as well. Because she traveled in the same circles as those people. One of the Kushners did, too. I can't remember which mm-hmm. one. But, yeah, no, I didn't watch it. And was it on Apple? Yes. Okay, which, yeah. 
I still am not ready to declare that a real thing. <laughs> oh, the apple pods? We, I've, I mean, I've watched some, good some shows. stuff. There have been. For All, All Mankind. Mankind yeah. That's a good one. But they all seem so isolated. I mean, and Severance. Severance was fantastic. Ted Lasso, too. Yeah. yeah but it always that. sort of feels like they haven't quite actually got it together as a network. They just no. have something yeah. that happens every couple of months. Yes. So, you're right there. Uh, and their interface is one of the worst yeah. out there. I can't handle going there. It's the most unuser friendly thing. For Apple, which is usually their thing, right? right. It's the most unuser friendly interface out there. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I think Schmigadoon was the first thing I watched, and that was that was my takeaway too. Yeah. Even though I like Schmigadoon, mm-hmm. I never could bring myself to watch it. Really? I love Cecilia Strong, so I'll watch her do anything. Oh, you will. Okay. Now, Grant and I are obsessed with the offer on Paramount Plus about the making of The Godfather, and we are perplexed as to how any movie ever gets made in Hollywood. Ugh. It's amazing, but you told me that you read the Robert Evans um, autobiography that he wrote, right? The kid yeah. stays in the picture. I think he really wrote it. It's a very chatty and sounds like him book. Well, you're going to have to watch the offer, but I am. to me, I feel like Matthew Good, that's how we've learned. It's not Goody, it's Good from Downton Abbey and other things. He's incredible as uh, Robert Evans. And did Robert Evans really have, was he that wild of a man? Oh, yeah. And a, a, a crazy genius? Yeah, he was a crazy genius. And he tells those stories on himself in his in The Kid Stays in the Picture. He, I mean, a lot of it was cocaine. Mm-hmm. We see that in the offer, especially towards <laughs> now, the, yeah. it's coming towards the end. And mm-hmm. he's maybe busted Allie McGraw having her getaway affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of seems McQueen? like you go to Hollywood parties in that era, and instead of a bowl of Chex Mix, they would just have a bowl of cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. with a spoon in it. Yeah. For you. So do Party you recommend favorite. that book? Oh, the yeah. The stays in the picture Highly. for people who like Hollywood? Yeah, and even if you don't have any particular built-in interest in him, it doesn't matter, because there are all these stories about the making of Chinatown and the making, and uh, as I'm sure the show shows, The, the Godfather. Godfather was really difficult to come together, and the pieces of it, casting it, all of the various parts of it and how the actual mafia gets involved yeah via frank sinatra kind of kind of and the producer yeah it's really been a great show to watch i think there's only two episodes left and i don't know why we're finding it so fascinating watching a show about the making of this you know basically 52-year-old or 50-year-old movie i'm just enthralled as a younger person who wasn't around for that era of like you were talking about yeah, the, the party during the seventies, yeah. the way that they just they they perfectly frame everything when you're in Hollywood, when you're at that what's the cafe that the restaurant that you always reference? Oh, the Polo Lounge. The Polo Lounge. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things that I never really got to see mm-hmm. on a in a visual sense. Yeah, I'm getting, and that's what I love. About yeah, it. especially uh, besides the story. I kind of feel like Miles beautiful. Teller is finally ready to be a movie star, which Hollywood has been saying he's going to be a movie star between The Offer and Top Gun Maverick. He's definitely having a moment. He is. And he looks good in a mustache. That he does. They were actually, did you see that story that they were attempting to use artificial mustaches originally? And they were were gonna have CGI his mustache to make it more a little bit thinner towards the edge like gooses, and then they were like, No, let's have him grow his own natural natural mustache. Do do we know if he ever got vaccinated? Oh Miles? Yeah. He was in that whole Shailene Woodley, (laughs) let's just eat tofu instead of getting vaccinated oh camp. yeah i guess i i don't know that i don't know if you did or not okay but. how about this michael b jordan Lori harvey break up after one year a source says they're both completely broken 
Heartbroken. Oh. I'm going to say Michael B. Jordan. He's 35. She's 25. He wanted to settle down. She didn't. She's like, nah. Yep. Not the time. And her father is really happy. Is he? Yeah. He's already tweeting out jokes about oh, it. Boy. He's, he's real happy about it. Miles Teller did come out officially say that he is vaccinated and yeah. has been for a while. There were some rumors that he wasn't, but officially here he oh, said that Vanity Fair said that he go. is. Okay, you answered good. your question, Chris. Yep. Thank you very much.